All right, John, let us start this edition of the John Krasinski Show with you telling me everything about Nas Reed and how he has become a cult figure in Minneapolis. Yeah, it's been it's been so fun um, to watch this really develop over the last four plus years now. Um, there, the, I, I think that when I look at it from a, a wide angle view, and try to figure out what has just clicked between Nas Reed and the fan base. I think there's a couple of things. One is Nas Reed was an undrafted rookie free agent who signed with the Wolves. And the Wolves draft luck in particular, you know, in general over the history of their franchise has not been the greatest. But when you go into second round, and 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 rookie free agent type things never like they they never hit on those picks it just does not work out um and so reed nas was one of those first guys that hey maybe this maybe we are we saw something that the rest of the league didn't we were always the team looking at it as why didn't they draft this guy in the second round why didn't they find find this gem why can't they do it well nas reed is one of those guys. He, every team in the league could have drafted him. Uh, there's a ton of teams. They all could have signed him after after the, the draft was over, and it was the Wolves who got him. And not only did the Wolves get him, but they've also played a huge role in developing him. He came in as a as kind of an out-of-shape, um, injured player who was a little underwhelming at LSU after, after being a very uh, big recruit. But he really developed into a really nice player, both because of his work ethic, first and foremost, but also the Timberwolves did a very good job of, of setting a development plan for him, of putting him in Iowa for a little while, of letting him play with the big club, of, of just kind of utilizing his skill set. And then finally, the way that he plays – it, it's flashy and fun. That's really cool. The crossovers, the dunks, the three pointers, like that's a very aesthetically pleasing uh, type of game to watch, but also the way with how hard that he plays, you can see that this really means something to him, that he takes a lot of pride in being a contributor on this team uh, that 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 the Timberwolves and that this group are important to him. And so I think that's very palpable for a player, for a fan who's watching in the stands at Target Center or watching at home on TV to pick up on. And so all of that has just made Nas Reed just this magnetic presence. And, and so it's like he's like – uh, the fans believe that they discovered Nas Reed before anyone else did. They've loved him up and nurtured him. And now he's blossoming in front of their eyes. And so that's a real powerful sort of concoction that is going on. I, th there's a pizza place right by my house, Parkway pizza that Nas shouted out. And there's a, there's a sign outside that just says honk. If you love Nas Reed, uh, people on, on social media are posting shower curtains with Nas Reed's face on it. Um, he has really become just this real cult hero. And then we saw it on Saturday night in the opener when he's taking over in the fourth quarter of that game. 
and um, and the Nas Reed chants and just everything about it. It's it's a it's a kind of a, a magical thing, and it's really fun to watch. It is. Uh, and look, I will say this: I I like Nas Reed. I like watching him play. I don't I don't want him watching me shower though. You know, I, well, the, the smart thing about the design of the shower curtain is his face is on the outside. Of oh, so he's it. guarding so, you. So he's guarding you. Yeah, he's, he's old, home security. So, exactly. So, so you know, he's not looking at you while you are showering. He is the one who is, if, you're, if someone else is walking into the bathroom, he's like, don't come in here. I got this covered. Well, thanks, Nas. That's very nice yeah, of him. Least yeah. he could do, really. Yeah. Uh, so he is playing really well. He basically won the game for him on Saturday night. Um is this exactly who he is and will be uh, a wonderful off the bench score and great personality, or is there even more there? And I, and well, I, and yeah. this, I'm, I'm guilty of doing this, the sports talk radio thing, which is it's never, whatever's happening now is not enough. It's always the next thing. It, if he, if this is what he is, that's great. But mm-hmm. I'm just wondering with his skill set, is, could he even be like a starter on a good team? Yeah, I mean, I was so far like the thing about Nas Reed that is the defining quality of his NBA career so far is that every summer he has worked on his game to a point where he comes back significantly better than he was the year prior. And so what Chris Finch, what Rudy Gobert said uh uh on Saturday, several players said is you know, Nasri came in to this season knowing that he was going to have to play power forward because he got the big contract. He's going to get minutes. It's going to be at power forward, either next to towns or next to Gobert. And he worked all summer long on his defense to be able to guard on the perimeter and hold up in that area. And so far it's only been two games, but through two games, the thing that has been most pleasing to his teammates and his coaches is that he has shown an ability to defend at the four. And um, and so, you know, some of the the offensive stuff that we have seen and certainly the, the stuff that we saw on Saturday against Miami, uh, the shot making, uh, that kind of stuff that that we knew he had like that was in his bag already. There's nothing surprising about him hitting some threes and going to the brim and 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 scoring that way. But he defended really well. He grabbed eight rebounds and rebounding had been a weakness of his game as well. And so I don't want to put a, a ceiling on Nas Reed. I think right now he is in the perfect role for him. I think that he is a, absolutely a legit sixth man of the year candidate. I think he can be that type of a boost off of the bench. Um, but I also think a long-term over the next several years and with some more summers involved and more development, I don't think that I could say here that he can't eventually be a starter on a good team, um, on a team that wins in the playoffs. I mean, he is, he has done so much improving to this point that, um, there's just no reason to say that's going to slow down when he's 23, 24 years old. That's a remarkable thing. It feels like he's been here forever, and he's like, like you said, twenty three or twenty four. Mm-hmm. Um, more on Nas and more on the uh, Wolves' early games and ongoing schedule. We want to let you know we're coming to. This is the John Krasinski show, by the way. He's John Krasinski from the Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer, as he has been for a long time. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. We want to thank our many sponsors: TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Tony Hoagland, my State Farm agent. 
Manscaped. And thanks to Headflyer for putting on so many of our shows. Uh, it's been a great relationship with the, the brewery over there in East Minneapolis. Uh, my last question about Nas is, it feels to me like he has such a high degree of difficulty on his shots and he makes them. Uh, what's the process like for a young player like Nas Reed kind of encouraging his coaching staff to let him take those kinds of shots? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I do think that a lot of times what you hear coaches say about young players coming into the league, especially undrafted tweener big men is simplify the game you know do the little things and just establish yourself that way and then you can build on it well um i do think that it started for nas reed with the way that he really just kind of dominated games in iowa and the role that he was given with iowa was more of a do everything type of a player and he showed that he was capable of handling that and of doing more, of handling the ball on the break, of breaking down guys off the dribble, getting to the rim and scoring in traffic. He showed all of those things at, at the G League level. And so when he puts that on tape, then the coaches can look at that and say, all right, well, you can do that against G Leaguers, but can you do it in practice up here? Well, when you hear about some of the practices that he's had, um, especially in training camps over the last couple of years, you know, every year we come, it, 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 I always like this, Jim, this is the way that I, uh, really like to describe Nas Reed. When you, the, my, my favorite thing is when you get wolves, free agents, wolves, trades, guys that have traded and have not played with Nas Reed and you, and they come in and they're around for several weeks and then I'll just grab them, you know, when I can and just like, Hey, how do you like playing with Nas and their eyes light up like they really don't know. And it's not until they see him in, in practice and see him like dominate these practices that it's like, man, this guy is unbelievably skilled. And it happened with Austin Rivers. It happened with uh, Mike Conley. It's happened with D'Angelo Russell. It's happened with so many, so many people who have come through and just like really like understand and realize it when they see him up close and personal in practice. And so I think that Nas sort of asserting himself in those practices also then gave coaches a little bit more trust that he could do some of these things in the game. And then, you know, it does take a, 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 um, a, willing head coach and Chris Finch has, has now done this. I think that Nas had to win Finch over a little bit and now Finch is giving him a lot more uh, latitude to be creative and to, to go and do things um, and, and make things happen because he sees that more often than not Nas can be successful at it. And then when he is successful, when he does complete one of those highlight type of plays and makes one of those difficult shots, the lift that it gives his teammates and the energy that it brings to the arena can help change a game. The Wolves needed a boost in that game against Miami. They were slogging through like three quarters. They just weren't, you know, they, they couldn't pull away. And all of a sudden Nas comes in and starts raining threes and the whole place, you know, just comes alive and then they run away with the thing. And that's kind of the, that's the power that, that Nas has in his fingertips is that he plays with this, 
real swagger and this and this um, real energy that can transmit very quickly if he starts kind of getting on a roll. If you like this show, uh, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Go to talknorth.com. Check out all of our other shows, including uh, John and my work on the Viking Update show, which is very interesting this week. Uh, subscribe to any shows you like. Again, it's free. It's the easiest way to listen, and we do appreciate the support. Uh, how good can this defense be, and can this be a defense-first team, even with the obvious offensive talent on the roster? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Chris Finch has said all uh, preseason and into the season that it has to be a defense-first team, and I think I agree with him. Um, when you look at so far in, the, in these first two games, I think they have the number one defense in the league. Now, part of that is opponent, because I don't think the Raptors are a vaunted offense, and, and Miami was playing without Jimmy Butler, so um, they had some limitations, but... Um, the, the Wolves looked very good on that end of the court, especially in the half court transition is another story, but they're limiting teams to below a hundred points. Um, and they're, they're doing a really good job and Rudy Gobert looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so those are all, those are qualities and they've done it without Jaden McDaniels as well. Um, but so far also, I think the Wolves are 30th in the league in offense, um, mm -hmm. It, it has not looked great so far. I think part of that is just, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is not not shooting great so far. He he will make more shots. That's not a problem. Um, I think Anthony Edwards will start to figure things out a little bit more, and that will smooth out. But I do think that there, the way that this roster is constructed, um, there are the the pathway for them to say a top five or top eight offense in the league is much more uh, thorny than the pathway to a top five defense in the league. They have remarkable defenders in Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels. They have Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Mike Conley is a good defender. Um, you know, they, they have plenty of weaponry on the defensive side to be shut down type of uh, defenders and a defensive team. And then if they adopt that philosophy and bring that on a nightly basis, then that offense does not need to be top five level to score or to win games. And so I think in some ways, if they are better defensively like that and really embrace that, that sort of identity, they take a lot of pressure off of towns, Edwards, off of Rudy Gobert, off of Jane McDaniels to be, these ultra productive offensive players. And so that's why I do think that I, I agree with Chris Finch in that the, the pathway for this team to be a top four seed in the West is probably going to be through its defense and just winning games that are a little bit more lower scoring and sort of taking uh, the, the opponent out of the game rather than just getting out there and winning track meets with them. All true, and now I want to talk about the offense because it's more fun. Uh, so mm -hmm. we'll do that here in a second. Uh, we do want to tell you we're coming from to, from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. I want to thank longtime sponsor, one of our original sponsors, TSR Injury Law. Just remember, 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, you're going to need good help, ethical help, 
fast help. And the great thing about TSR injury laws, they will not charge you unless they win your case. And they've won so many cases. They are just a, an, an ongoing Minnesota success story. They keep growing. They keep winning. That's how it works. So just remember, if you're ever injured, you're going to want to remember this number, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, as for all energy solar, all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. Visit allenergysolar.com slash coach for your free solar evaluation. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project, home, business, or both, from design to installation and everything in between. So you can either go to allenergysolar.com slash coach or allenergysolar.com to find out everything you need to know about going solar. John, tell us about Manscaped. We are brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off plus free shipping. It may be spooky season, but you don't want to scare people with a scraggly beard. Give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. Are you tired of a bad razor making your neck look like a scary movie? With the Handyman skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks and cuts, you can finally feel confident when going for that close shave. For wet or dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness make this perfect travel tool for on the go and being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless and for my wolf men with a little more scruff manscapes beard hedger pro kit has everything you need to tame your mane get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code athletic we also like the Head Flyer Brewing for sponsoring so many of our for sponsoring the show and so many of our live shows. Had a great kickoff show of the John Krasinski show in the Timberwolves season there uh, recently. Uh, great place to hang out, watch sports, and thanks also to my friend Tony Hoagland, who is my State Farm agent. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. Here's the deal: when you combine State Farm home and auto insurance, you save an average of eight hundred and eighty-nine dollars a year. My agency is ready to help you combine home and auto and start saving today. Call seven six three four two one four nine zero zero to start saving. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And let's get to the offense. Uh, boy, I thought it was a bad offensive game in Toronto. Uh, Nas kind of saved them on Saturday, but what I'm seeing is that. After a summer and preseason where it looked like Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns could just, you know, get any shot and make any shot anytime they wanted, they they felt very clunky in these first two games. Uh, do you agree? And if so, what do you what what do you see out of those two right now? Yeah, I, I think it, that so it's it's both um, concerning but also encouraging in a way because when you look at so far, I think you could argue that maybe their two most inconsistent or worst players offensively have been their two best players in Towns and Edwards. So you'd say, well, that's not sustainable. That will turn around eventually. And I, I believe it, sure, it it absolutely will. But they neither one of them have been able to find a rhythm yet. And, you know, Ant finished with 19 points uh, against the Heat, but he scored eight points in like three less than a minute at at the end of just before garbage time when when the game had got out of hand so he was really for most of the game around 11 points now to his credit he finished the game with seven assists 
And so he, he figured out that I'm not, I can't take this one over. I've got to get my other teammates involved because it's just not working for me in Toronto. He tried to take the whole thing over. And, and I think he kind of uh, sabotaged some of the offense with just his aggressiveness and his decision-making and shot selection. And then I thought Carl Anthony Towns against Toronto was really poor decision-making as well. You know, we saw a couple of times where he, he kind of, broke out a floater from right around the free throw line. But one of them, we're not even sure if it was a pass to go bear or not. Like that's how <laughs> ugly it was. Um, he is not shooting the ball well at all. That is going to turn around. I do think that he in particular has a tougher adjustment in that when he's playing with go bear, he's got to be more of a floor spacer and just kind of more stretch the floor, shoot threes, do that sort of thing. And then You'll see when he's had his most success offensively this season, it's been when Gobert has been on the bench and he's been the five and he's able to kind of be more aggressive, go at the smaller bigs and take them to the, to the basket. So that part is, I think the one part where you're thinking, is he going to be able to solve this? Is this going to be a a, a season long thing? Because um, it's a lot to, to think about and a lot to toggle between and I think that um, you, it, a lot of it will be alleviated when the shots start falling, but decision-making for both of them is key, um, and, and both of them have not been making great decisions in these first two games. No, they haven't. Um, and he mentioned Gobert. Uh, I, I have the same read. I feel like he looks spry. He looks mm-hmm. lively, and he's, uh, he's finishing dunks from farther out than he used to. He just... And he's been very good on the defensive end. This is kind of the guy we expect to see a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's if there's something that Wolves fans can feel good about these first two games, it's night and day, Jim. You watch him just moving out there uh, against Toronto. There was one he he jumped up and he didn't block the shot. He just grabbed it out of the air. Um, he's he's dunking with more authority. He is uh, quicker, just moving laterally. He is elevating higher for blocked shots than he did at this time last year. Um, and so he just looks more explosive. He looks more athletic. And that was the thing when you saw last season, especially in like October, November, December, you're like, oh man, is he just old now? Like, is this what is this the what the Rudy Gobert that you're gonna have to to live with and is he going to have to figure out other ways to be effective as his athleticism wanes but so far this season he looks incredibly athletic uh i asked him about it uh at practice on friday and i just said hey rudy do you feel like this is you back to your old self from a physical standpoint and he said i actually don't feel like i'm my old self i feel like i'm, I'm better than that he said he said he spent a lot of time this summer working on his body even more he did not. He was not banged up coming off of the World Cup like he was coming off of the Eurobasket, um, and he said he just feels much better. I also think that you know, being settled in here and having familiarity and having Mike Conley with him and all of those things for a full season makes a difference. But um, you know, Rudy has looked really, really good, and uh, if he can maintain and sustain this type of uh, this type of springiness in his legs that's going to be a very good thing for the Wolves. No doubt about it. Okay, explain this to me. Jimmy Butler 
mm-hmm. on the court seems like one of the most mentally as well as physically tough players in the league, and he's afraid to play against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'll just, you know, four in a row that he has not played um, against the Timberwolves. Um, just let me ask the question, if Carl Anthony Towns missed four straight games oh my God. against the Miami Heat, what would the discourse be? Now, to Jimmy Butler's credit, he has the resume, he has the accomplishments, he's been to the NBA Finals, he's delivered in the playoffs, so he has all of that built up to protect him from the sort of same the same arrows that Carl Anthony Towns takes. He has earned that. Absolutely 100%. He deserves that because he's accomplished things on the court with his team that Cat has not. But but if he if Carl Anthony Towns was not playing four games in a row against the Miami Heat, doesn't matter if they were back-to-backs, doesn't matter if it was the fifth game in five nights for the Timberwolves, if he skipped a game against the Heat, he'd get crushed for it. Um, I don't know what the whole thing is, honestly, Jim. Um, I don't know if he didn't like the chance the last time that he played he uh, at, at Target Center and that he just was like, I'm not going to deal with it anymore because I have seen him get booed when he was wearing a Timberwolves jersey and he loved it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm not sure what is going into it. I might, it, it feels like maybe it's something like, I'm not going to give these guys the satisfaction of, <laughs> of booing. I could see him doing that. Um, but I do know it probably, it might have cost the, the Heat a win. Uh, yeah. If he plays, maybe they win that game. Um, and, and so, so who knows? But, um, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting. It's Jimmy Butler. He's making it. He he dances to the beat of his own drum, and he does what he wants. And he has accomplished enough in this league that he probably can be afforded that luxury. And uh, but but it's it's uh, it's an it's been an interesting thing to see how that's developed over the last four games now. And it's one thing to not play, but I I think he went too far. I mean, having a hideous wig device <laughs> so he could so he could you know hide from Wolves fans while he was in town. I think that's going a little far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what that was all about is to disguise his his uh, um his, you know his identity because uh, when you see a wig like that, you look away immediately. You don't keep yeah, staring. You're at not it. you're not going to try it, to recognize it, the person. No, you're gonna, yeah, you it, might actually run in horror. Yes, ab- absolutely right. So very, 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 uh, very smart and very cunning on Jimmy Butler's part. Yes, no doubt. Uh, how we are talking on Monday morning. By the time you hear this, game time will probably be approaching, or maybe is even past. Because we do shows that uh, you know we talk about big enough topics that they're not just game by game. But uh, Jaden McDaniel's, how are you feeling about his injury and his prospects coming back here soon? Yeah, I I think Jim that he's going to play. We're recording this on Monday um, before the before the Hawks game. I think he's going to play tonight in Atlanta. Um, from what I understand, you know, he missed the first two games and it was less, especially the, the Miami game on Saturday. It was not a, a anything to do with his calf um, and, and discomfort or, or limitations that way. It was really just him working his way back uh, into shape after missing so much time with the calf injury. And so um, it was just kind of return to play stuff that, that he's been working through. And, and so I think that, uh, that that if he doesn't play in Atlanta, for sure he's going to play Wednesday against De- in Den- against Denver at home. 
Um, but yeah, I, it, and I don't blame the Wolves for being a little bit careful. Calf injuries have been very difficult for mm-hmm. this team the last couple of years. And so they're just, they're, they're, they're making sure that he's all the way back. And then they're making sure that he's in prime physical condition to come back and play. And when they get him back, I know that everyone's going to be really excited about his offense or excuse me, his defense and, and what, what that brings. But I think that they need his offense. He's a cutter. Good. He gets the ball moving and he knocks down threes uh, very well. And and this is a team that struggled in that area in the first two games. So I think that Jaden McDaniels is going to give this offense as big of a boost, almost as he will the defense uh, when he gets back out on the court. Well, that's such a great point because we, we like the phrase ball movement, but mm-hmm. to have ball movement, you need body movement. Exactly. You can't, can't move the ball if people aren't cutting and repositioning themselves. You can't just, you know, it's, I think they desperately need somebody who's going to create some flow to the offense and maybe that'll get Ant and, and Cat some more open shots. For sure. And yeah, and he, and McDaniels is one of the best cutters on the team. And so um he plays and and he also is an unselfish cutter in that he makes cuts that even when he knows he's not going to get the ball but that he knows is going to draw defenders away from someone else to open something up for another for one of his teammates and those are the valuable moves and things that happen that don't show up in a box score that people don't maybe recognize as much that Jaden McDaniels brings to the table. And so I do think that, you know, it may take him a game or two to get his legs underneath him and, and get going. Uh, But once he gets back into full Jaden McDaniels mode, you are going to see that element of his game provide some dividends for the offense. Good stuff from John. It's going to be really interesting. Also, check out the Viking Update show and all of our other shows at TalkNorth.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.